Welcome to Triumph. This is a show about God's healing and grace and mercy after an abortion experience. I'm Tim Welsh, and uh, I'm here with my wife, Jo. Hello. We are, as context, we are post-abortive ourselves. I don't know if that's the right term. I mean, it's been a long time. but we, Yeah, I think it still we had, works. We have an abortion experience in our past when we were young and dating, and we're real lucky to be married, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the in a lot of ways, I mean, other than just, <laughs> I guess I should qualify that. Um, but, you know, the the, fa- the fact of the matter is that most, most uh, couples break up. Yeah, relationships end Relationships pretty end pretty quickly after the abortion experience. But we, we're pretty lucky in that regard, and um, uh, we've actually grown in our, in our love through the abortion um, pro- abortion um, recovery process. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, we always talk about this. I don't really believe the whole healing thing. I know, I, I know. It's just, it, it, for me, it's, it's, you know, we're trying to recover, but I don't think the scar ever goes away. I don't think you ever no. get really truly healed. And I, I think, think that so. kind of, I don't like, I don't like using that term. Anyway, that's, that's way off topic. Yeah. So, <laughs> Today we, you know, we've got. Um, uh, I was, I was this morning at mass. It was the reading of the Beatitudes, and I was struck by uh, some things along those lines. And we'd like to talk about those things here today. And I just wondered um, if we could talk about what, what, what politics has done post Roe. Not, not so much partisan politics, but what. What are the political triggers for someone who's been through an abortion experience, and what is our Catholic response to that? Um, I know that that's kind of a lot, a mouthful. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> it is pretty heavy. <laughs> but you know, the, the the question is, you know, for for you, Joe, is that what does post row look like from an abortion stress perspective, and what what does what how's the politics kind of changed around that yeah that's a that's you're just going to stop talking now and i'm just going to talk for the rest of the it's time because it's a lot to talk about more minutes <laughs> i um and and we've probably discussed this before but it it almost feels like um there if there's just a couple of things, I guess. One is, does this take away um, women who have been going through healing or you know the process of recovering from an abortion experience? Does having the the does having Roe overturned kind of just do away with? all the work or did, I mean, for me, I just wonder if it's going to make women feel like they're not valid or their feelings are valid. Like they have been feeling this way and now, okay, um, Rose over. So you should be good. So, you don't, it, it's all over. It's like you're not supposed to have a memory, I guess, or or have these feelings or triggers. 
And I know that may not make sense, um, but it, it just I just worry that now post-row people aren't going to take it as seriously as looking at it and saying, you know, something's not working for me in my life and it can't be Roe. It can't be my, uh, my abortion experience because Roe's been overturned and all that's been nullified. There's it's over. So I shouldn't feel anything. Is that, am I making sense? Yeah, but I think, I think we have to, yes, you are. But I mean, it's just one of those things that it's like, it's like if they outlawed cigarettes, does cancer go away? You know what I mean? Right. um, Or lung cancer. I guess I should qualify that. But do you, do you, um, the, the fact of the matter is that abortion is not illegal. You know, I mean, it, it, right. there may be restrictions on it in certain states. Then right. there may be some states that where it is illegal. But, but you know, we, we went through all of this screaming about Roe and all of the, you know, vitriol. And, and really, th- there, was a, there was an awful lot of rhetoric and, and argumentation be, uh, among both sides. You know, the, the yep. pro-life movement was, was, uh, was putting out their two cents and the the pro-abortion movement was putting out their two cents. And, yeah. but it, the fact is that they, that nothing has really changed. I mean, you yeah. have, you have some restrictions again, and those, those things will occur certainly. Yeah. But there, there isn't that, there isn't that federal regime. There's not that national regime of abortion on demand anymore is all. Yeah. It's just been handed back to the people where it should have been all along and in, yeah. in, in states. And you, what you'll see is a patchwork quilt, of abortion laws all over the state, all over the United States, yeah. just state But I, I state. think probably to your question, maybe it was all the screaming about it and how it was going to do this or that to women that was actually a trigger, you know, for me feeling like, oh, is this going to drive more people back into the closet, more women back into the closet about their experience. It was just that very, um, it was just that high level of how it was going to ruin women's lives. Women's going to, women are going to die because yeah. this has changed. Yeah. And then, you know, do I, as, as a pro-life woman, should I feel guilty if women are going to die now because, this is what I wanted and now I got it. And people are telling me that women are going to die. And it's very, it's very harmful. I mean, even, you know, we talked about this, even from our own children who know our experience, but yet as soon as Roe was overturned, they got on the family text feed and started talking about, you know, the Supreme Court justices, they're fascists, they're this, they're that. And it was very hurtful for me. It was, I mean, I cried. I was like, do these, these are, these are, this is my flesh and blood who are, who are um, probably not attacking me, but they wanted you and I to know that our pro-life stance is is wrong. It's going it's to kill women. 
women can die mm-hmm. and it's going to be your fault. And, and how mean and insensitive they were. It is just, it just, it blew me away. I could not believe that these children, <laughs> these children that we have raised have such an, they have empathy for, for a cause that they don't even understand. They, for the overturning of Roe that they don't even understand. They didn't probably take a minute to read it, the, the whole decision. And that I thought we raised them to be, you know, thinkers, not just let me go along with the whole, the, all the propaganda, but they've, they've been, they were raised with Roe being in place. So they listened to all the, the news and how women were going to die. And they went with it and they attacked. And I happened to be in the crosshairs. Yeah. I don't think they did it. I, I think, I think they were being totally insensitive and not thinking because when I talked with one of our girls and she was like, well, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't make you feel bad. Like, yeah, yeah. And she yeah, was one did. of the main protagonists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you made me feel really bad. Yeah, well, you know, it. I, I think the, I think the challenge for all of us is that, you know, there is truly evil in the world. Yes, there really is. Yes, but then there is also truly ignorance in the world. Yes, and you know, there are people, in you know, I. I, I, we're going to get into this a little bit in the second part of the show, but the prayer of the faithful at Mass this morning, what, one of them was uh, for our elected officials that they um, enact laws that are beneficial to the common good or, or something of that nature. You know, I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. a little bit, but they, they use the term common good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and and I don't I, I love the Catholic faith I, I I love Mass I love the Eucharist I love everything but sometimes we just kind of get it wrong you know and and I just wonder you know there are people out there that believe in their heart of hearts that the common good is served by abortion on demand I mean there are people mm-hmm. that have have are that um, and I mean ignorant with a with not a, as a pejorative term but they just don't know right that to your point, you know, our children grew up with, we, you know, our, our first child them. was born in 1980, you know, right. and so it was long past Roe versus Wade and they have only lived in that way. And, and they, we raised them to be cr- critical thinkers and right. their critical thinking t- leads them down the road that this is a good thing for women. It empower you know, the whole line, yeah. it empowers right. women, blah, blah, blah. When I, I, well, we can, that's, that's another show. So <laughs> when they didn't even ask, Hey mom and dad, what do you think about this? Yeah. What is your take on it? But no, it was a total attack and it was, it was terrible. I'm still, I'm still in shock. Yeah, I can tell that dear. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so we've got, we've got some experience. We've, we've, We've uh, been through the abortion experience, and now we're kind of going through it all over again with our own children. Yeah, right. All of that, 
all of that recovery, that work that you have done personally and that we have done uh, as a couple is kind of, I don't say it's thrown out the window, but it's certainly uh, moderated somehow, that we yeah. we are now thinking more about the experience and now talking more about it. But thankfully, because of the experience that we've had through um, a variety of, of uh, recovery uh, programs that we're able to talk about it openly. I mean, my gosh, we're, we're talking to what, you know, 200 million people on this radio station. I know right now. it's crazy. I mean, golly, we're right out in the open. It's a, it's the equivalent of standing on a street corner. So, so, um, it, it, as sad as that is, you know what, we're going to talk a little bit about in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what is our obligation as a response to that. And what do we do? Even things as close as our children, even people as close as our own children, how do we, how do we approach that? You're listening to Triumph on St. Gabriel Radio, um, uh, AM 820, and this is Tim Welsh, and I'm here with my wife, Joe, and we're, we have an abortion experience in our past, and, and we just want to talk about God's love and mercy and forgiveness and healing uh, after an abortion experience, and all the things that sort of go with that, including our kids being... Uh, the way our kids are, yeah. you know? But I, I do want to say, too, even though it has, this has shaken me, and I, I don't want to be a downer here because, and I want to impart that it changed my life to go through the abortion, and then it further changed and made my life better to go through abortion recovery healing studies. I wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this if I hadn't gone through that, but it definitely, it definitely changed my life. And I I don't regret it. I don't regret the recovery piece and it was hard work going through it, but it was so worth it. And I want anyone listening, I just know that it's worth it, that it gives you a better footing, it makes you stronger person, and you're able to just stop and maybe just pray for those folks that are so ill-informed. Well, and it, it also is a great um, example in your case and in many of the men and women that you and I know who have gone through the recovery process that God can turn really bad things into really good things. True. Right. I mean, yes. we know that because yes. of Calvary, for gosh sakes. I mean, right, that's a, right. That's, that's kind of the one. Right? Yeah, we didn't come up with that. No, that's that's not a dream. <laughs> we um, just made that up right yeah. now. Um, We're so smart. So let's talk about about uh, the political kind of rhetoric. I mean, you, we clearly have, um, we, we don't want to get it all partisan here, but, you know, there are clearly differences and Correct. between uh, political parties, and they're very stark. And there's a line in the sand between the yes. two, yes. and and it 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 doesn't even matter which is which. But what what does what does that do from a trigger? You know, we've talked about some of your triggers, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, and but mm-hmm. what uh, are there triggers associated with the political maelstrom you see during during that season, the political season, or does it does it bother you more or less during that? season it doesn't you know it doesn't bother me well it does bother me 
it and it probably bothers me more before I went through any kind of healing recovery um, sessions, I would have just ignored it or you know, I just would have stuffed that down inside. But now I think, how can you be so prideful? You want this job so badly that you're willing to sell your very soul for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's a sadness really more than, than a, than a trigger, but I'm like, really? You know, you're going to stand before God at some point and you're going to have to own up to some of this, you know, and maybe and that's not for me. I'm I'm not trying to judge that, but it makes me sad that people are so dead set on getting what they want to keep their jobs that they're willing to say it's okay to have an abortion up to the very minute of birth. I, I That just blows me away. I mean, that just gives me cold chills <laughs> to think that they, that that's a thought. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that thing that, that we ignore an awful lot, you know, and that is that the, the issue of it being a child have been, has been debated and that, that's no longer an issue. I right. mean, everybody knows this as a kid. You're not, you know, it, all it needs is a little time and some nourishment and it's going to grow just like a toddler, right. uh, you know, or just like, you know, a 12 year old, an adolescent, they just need time and nourishment. I mean, you're not giving birth to a rutabaga for gosh sakes. I mean, at the end right. of the, at the end of the nine months, you've got a child. That's right. It's yeah. not, it's not going to turn into asparagus or well, something. Well, it's sad when people use, it is a baby, it isn't baby, depending on what they want or what their political kind of aim is. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, you know, and that, that's, that to me is sad, but it's politics and, and people have been this way since the beginning of time. So from, from all of that, that we've just sort of raked through, what, what do you suppose, what, as a, as a person who has been through an abortion experience, what would you like to see from the church? Not just the institutional church, but individual parishes and priests, and then further down individual parishioners. What would you? What What do you think the church's obligation is, and what could they do to actually have an impact? Because if you're right, and and I think there's a reasonable argument about that. If you're right, there's you know maybe the whole notion that people need healing or desire healing is going to go away or at least maybe um, diminish a little bit. Um, if that's correct, we're gonna have an awful lot of w- walking wounded out there. Right. And all of those things that we've always said about um, uh, the post-abortion stress um, uh, sort of space, increase in, in dependency on drugs and alcohol, increase incidence of suicide, increase incidence of depression, increased incidence of, di- of divorce, all of those things that we've always said occur and they're statistically do occur mm-hmm. um, are just gonna are just gonna get worse. So so what does the 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 institutional church and then individual parishes and the body of Christ do? That's a lot. Yeah. Um I guess 
Uh, I don't really know because it's hard to make people want to go through recovery. I mean, it's just like an alcoholic. You can't make them go. You have to, they have to figure it out. Um, but there has to be an openness about it. Um, I don't, I don't know if the church can do anything other than just say, we know this has occurred. We know this has probably occurred and one out of four women sitting in the pews and, you know, we're here for you. But the, but I guess on a local level, um, pastors and they're busy. I mean, they, for them to know, Hey, this is where you can go for healing. Um, for them to know that maybe in the confessional or, but, um, if anyone's confessing it, I don't know. Um, but you know, for them to know on that level, kind of what, what, what do I do with this woman, you know, who is, maybe she's not ready for healing. Maybe she doesn't think, maybe she thinks when she goes to confession, there, there we go. I've erased it and I'm done and I'm just going to skip out of here and be fine. Um, it's such a hard issue because you can't make somebody want to do it. And as we all know, when we have to look back on the things that we did that we aren't proud of, it's really not that fun to kind of go through and rip off the scab and go, Hey, yeah, this is my story. Um, it may sound it may sound dumb to all of you. It may sound like, well, there were other choices. It may sound like you probably had more support than you thought. You know, it's always easy to look back and, and make those judgments. So um, I don't have the answer for that. I just know that um, not to pile on more on the priests because I know they're overwhelmed. Um, but just for them to know, hey, you know, this is, this is what, um, this is where you can go for healing. Fine. You know, there's, here's a couple of places go, go where you feel like you fit in and, and you can work through this. Well, and I also think there's some value in, in, uh, you know, I, the, the listening audience, I, if, if this is your first time listening to triumph, you would, you would not know that I'm a recovering alcoholic. I, I haven't had a drink in 15 and a half years or something. And, but you're right. When you first walk into the room um, of Alcoholics Anonymous, when you first walk into some healing or some recovery uh, thing for abortion, you're scared to death. I yeah, mean, you're, very, you're afraid yeah. you're going to see somebody you know, or, you know, somebody's going to tell somebody that, you know, or whatever. There's right. all kinds of things go through right. your it's mind. It's totally human. When in fact, you know, when you listen to some of the stories that are, that are in those rooms, whether it's abortion recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous, you realize that there are a couple or three sort of uh, responses to that. One, you hear somebody else tell their story and and you say, oh, dude, I wasn't that bad. And then right. uh, another response, you listen to somebody tell their story and, they, and you say, dude, how do you know my story? Because right. I mean, and that's kind of what binds everybody is right. the stories. Right. That, that's what binds us as Catholics is the story of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the, 
that's it or or converted people you know people who have uh, experienced a conversion to Christianity and Catholicism that it's the story that keeps them bound together yeah and that's the same thing that that sort of radical unity that that uh, is profound you know you, you can't get away from it yeah. Um, yeah. so I just think that there is a way I think it's important for you to tell your story, for us to tell our story, mm-hmm. for us to uh, sort of uh, continue this process. But I th- also think there's there's a way it can be worded. I don't know why the prayers of the faithful doesn't include something about about uh, the abortion experience in every church, every mass, every Sunday, every day of the week. I, I just don't know why that's not there. Um, and like I said this morning, we had just listened to a reading about the Beatitudes, and the prayer of the faithful was legislators should should act on the common good, you know, act as a benefit to the common good. And frankly, that assumes everybody has a well-formed conscience and actually knows what the common good <laughs> would be, or knows what good is. For, forget the word common, but just knows what good is, right? I mean, because we have found in our culture in the United States, that just ain't true, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of people who have no idea what's the difference between good and bad. So um, sorry to ramble on a little bit there. I took away your, your thunder, but um, any closing remarks? Because... Um, to your point, I just don't. Th- I, people people only know what they know, yeah. And yeah. I I think we are obligated to educate them yeah. individually and as churches and as a church. And I think maybe giving the number for Bethesda yeah. would be a good thing to do, and you know, reach out to those folks that are that are there to to answer that call. Yeah. If you feel like you need to talk to somebody or tell you how to get started. Um, through those fine folks, you can probably probably give you my contact information if you want to speak to me directly. That is fine as well. Yeah, that number is area code six one four three zero nine zero one five seven. That's area code six one four three zero nine oh one five seven. Yes. And this is this has been a pleasure this morning. We've we've played around with some we've good solved stuff. something, yeah. haven't yeah, we? We can go home now. oh my gosh you're just uh you're just wonderful thank you for your openness and thank you for your courage it's uh i know it's been difficult for you but but i love you and we're gonna get through it together right yep you've been listening to triumph on um uh saint gabriel radio am 820 this is a a show about god's healing and and forgiveness after an abortion experience god bless every one of you peace Veni Sancti